sing the song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Not too long ago, we looked at the blind man who had been blind from his birth and how he wasn't sure of what it was, who it was that saved him at first. He just knew this one thing. He said, I was blind, but now I see. And we considered what it was he saw, but I want to ask you, what do you see? What do you see this day? Well, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have been called out of darkness to see the light in the face of God Almighty in the flesh, the sovereign ruler of all that is, the one who created everything for himself, then you see the truth. If you've never heard the gospel before, if you're sitting there today and for the first time God is reaching in to a heart, a new heart, and shining the light of his Son, giving you the experience, not just the knowledge of what grace is, but the experience. God was gracious to me, a sinner. That's what he does when he calls a, a sinner out of darkness. She comes to them when they're still high and mighty in their own way. When they're still thinking, you know, I'm not such a bad guy. I do some pretty good things. When they're still thinking that they may have some righteousness in themselves. And he shines the truth of the righteousness that sin is before God. He shines the light of his son. The very light that natural men will not come to because it exposes what they are before God. Worms. Dogs, wretches, amazing grace. Why is it so sweet? Because it saved a wretch like me, like all of God's people. Paul says, he came to save sinners, of which I am chief. We're all chiefs at that, aren't we? We're all chiefs at that. We see the truth. We see the truth of who we are before God. We see the truth of our need of a Savior. Our Lord says in the 14th chapter of John, verse 6, he says this unto him. He says, I am the way. He doesn't say that I'm part of the way. He doesn't say that I've done this and now you need to do that. He didn't say that I've done all that I can. Now you have to do this. No, he says, I am the no other way. You're not going to find a way to God by studying his scripture unless he is right there with you teaching you from it. There's a whole lot of people, folks, who know this scripture way, way better than I will ever know it. There's not enough time left in my life for me to know it as well as some do. Yet they don't know the grace of God. They've never experienced what it is. You see, to experience grace, you've got to know what it is you don't deserve. You've got to know that somebody took what you deserve upon themselves, and you don't have to pay for it anymore. Amen. It's been paid for. You've got to know that that one who took what you deserve upon himself and sacrificed himself was perfect in every way. You've got to be brought to know that what he did was, because he's God, perfect. Everything is done. 
He is our Sabbath. We rest in him. That's what the Sabbath is. It's Jesus Christ the Lord. It's not a day for us to observe. We observe him. We observe his righteousness because that's what we need. We need the righteousness of Christ. I can't establish it for you. I can't establish it for myself. I pray to my Savior. I pray to my Lord. Lord, if it be your will, call my children. Call my children. Our Lord says, I am the way. And then he says this. He says, I am the truth. We considered that in our Bible study. Where are you going to find truth? Don't find it in John Reeves. Don't find it in the person sitting next to you. Don't find it in any of the commentaries that you think you need to read about. Find it right here. Right here in the words of God. That's where you'll find truth. Because that is where life is. Life is in him and he gives it to whom he will. He gives life to all of those that the Father hath given him. You know what that means? That means that some of us are going to go to heaven. Not possibly... Not maybe, but are going to go to heaven. Why? Because the perfect blood of Christ was shed for our sins. He who knew no sin was made sin for our sakes, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. God has given life where death once ruled. And he's revealed himself to sinners. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, we read it this way. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul says very clearly what we just read about, what we just thought a moment ago. And who I am chief. The song that I started with, uh, Amazing Grace, it's, it states this. It says, we see the grace of God in saving a wretched people unto himself. It says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who? Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Did you know the world's trying to get rid of words like wretched and uh, worm and dog? We're so offended by things nowadays. It's gotten to the point of ridiculousness. How dare you call me a boy? I don't want to be identified as a boy. That's where the world has come to. Am I wrong in that? No. We all see it in the news. Oh, wretched man that I am offends people. Are you calling my grandmother a wretched? Oh, glory to God is. Are you saying my grandfather worked so hard, fought in the war, that he's a dog? The word of God says so. Oh, the worm that I am. We see the grace of God in saving wretched people unto himself. And when one who has been brought to see the truth of salvation, <coughs> excuse me, Jonah, perfect example, wonderful example of how God brings a wretched person to see the truth that salvation is of the Lord. That was what Jonah said when he was spit out into the dry land, was it not? But what did he have to learn to get there? Remember, he was running from God. He ran down to the city by the sea. He got on a ship. The Lord brought a huge storm. The men on the ship were like going, oh, no, who's offended God that the storm would raise up against us and kill us? 
You know, that was me. I did it. Threw him over the board. Was it an accident that that big fish was sitting there waiting for him to be thrown overboard? That's a pretty big ocean, folks. And here this is, big fish waiting for, just waiting for it. I can imagine, I can picture it. I can just picture the fish. I don't know, they can't think like humans, but if they could, they'd be sitting there, yeah, it's coming, here it comes. I did something to you today. And while Jonah was in that fish's belly, it says that the reeds were wrapping around his neck. It describes in detail of what he was going through in the belly of that fish. Which God had purposed so that you and I would read in this day and age about how Christ was in the belly of the earth just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish. When the Lord was in the belly of the earth, was he dead? Did he die? Yes, he did. He died. That's what it says. He died. He died and was raised again. Jonah died in the belly of that fish. And when the Lord raised him up again out of the belly of that fish and spit him out on the dry ground, he went about preaching, salvation is of the Lord. That's to be brought to the grace of God. To see the grace of God and that nothing that Jonah had done, but it was all done by God. Nothing John Reeves had done, but it was all done by my God. Shining his light in my heart. Shining the darkness of, of how wretched John was. How wretched John is. Oh, wretched man that I am right now. You see, grace is not something that comes just once. And then, okay, we're good. We can go about our way. Go do whatever we want to do now. We're good. We're saved. Right? Paul knew that he needed God every second of every day. He needed the grace of our Savior every moment just to get through it. And being brought to that point, the psalm writer writes in Psalm number 123, Unto thee lift I up mine eye. Unto thee lift up mine eye. As Christ or as the, as the serpent. Remember when the story of the serpents, when they came into the camp of Israel, and the camp of Israel had been complaining against God, so God sent a bunch of serpents into the camp, and people were being bitten, people were dying. Moses went to the Lord, he says, Lord, I love these people, these are my people. Please, please. And he cried unto the Lord, please, save my people. And the Lord said, Make a brass serpent, a brazen serpent, and put it up on a high pole where everybody can see, and everyone who looks to that brazen serpent shall be saved. That's what this is all about right here. Unto thee, unto my great God, unto the one who is sovereign over everything. All your troubles, folks, are coming from one thing. Our Lord. Every bit of it. People want to say, oh, who did something wrong? The Lord is punishing the United States. He allowed three planes to fly into buildings and kill all these people. He's punishing Israel because Israel murmured against God. So he opened up the earth and swallowed 3,000 people. God does not punish his people. Our punishment was laid on our Savior. He allows me to go through the same trials that are throughout all the troubles of this world 
so that I will see over and over again how weak I am and look to him for strength. Unto, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Back in verse 1, rather than look to our right or look to our left, rather than looking to something I can do over here. You know, there was a day when a trouble would come up against me and I would do anything I could possibly do to fix it myself. I would look to this way. What could I, do? I can't do anything over there. I'll look to this way. Can I do anything over there? Well, it's just bad luck. Rather than look to our right or look to our left, indicating what it is to look to what we can do, earning our way into heaven, in other words, we are brought to look to the only way, and that is Christ Jesus the Lord. Isn't that what I just read for you in John 14? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of looking downward in despair, or looking to the right hand or the left of human confidence, or looking within the pride of our own souls, we now say, unto thee, Lord, I lift up mine eyes. What grace that we do this wonderful thing. What grace that we have no confidence in this body of death. Was there not a day when you did look to something? When you looked to something else for your answer? Was there not a day where were you ever not like I was, where I could figure out how to fix something? I, I'll, I'll go to whatever i got to do to get this fixed. Folks, there's some things in this world that you just can't do anything about. Do you have grown kids? I do. I got grown kids. I can't do anything about them. They're going to do whatever it is they're going to do. And you know what? My mom couldn't do anything about me. She tried. I'm thankful that she didn't consider it bad luck. Was there not a day when you looked to something else for your answers, for your needs? Yet by his grace and grace alone, we now look to him. To a child of the Most High, there is always something blessed to see upward. Especially when we look up to Him who dwells in the highest of heavens. As I go through a trial that I'm in now with family, I realize that there's nothing I can do. It's completely out of my hands. All I can do is go to my Father and look up to Him and say this, It's in your control as all things are. And I can say with the belief in my heart that whatever it is I'm going through is because he is gracious to me and loves me and will make it for my good. I know it doesn't make it easy to go through these things still. I know a man whose daughter had been molested by a good friend, a really close, close friend. There was absolutely nothing he could do about it other than take his close friend and wring his neck. And that's what he wanted to do. He told me, he said, the only thing I could do, John, was put it at the feet of my Savior. Put it at the feet of my Savior. 
There was nothing much to do. I know what that man feels. My situation's not his, but I know what he feels. There's nothing I can do. Lord, help me to put it where it belongs, at the feet of my Savior. That's the blessings of looking upward. That's the blessings of lifting mine eyes unto the one that dwells in the heavens. That's the blessing is knowing that whatever I'm going through, whatever you're going through, whatever God has seen fit to allow in your life, it's for the purpose of bringing glory to him. Our Father, our Savior, our comfort. When we look up into the highest of heavens and we see our Father, our Savior, our comforter, there is little down here that is worth looking at. But there is everything for our comfort when we look at him. We know it to be by his grace. In, John, in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, we hear these words, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit, and he says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and to him, to he, to whom the Son will reveal him. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, we read these words, For by grace... You are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest a man should boast. Psalms 123, verse 1, it says, O thou that dwellest in the heavens, is it not a delight or a comfort to a Christian to remember that the title of our God is our Father who art in heaven? We look up to the majesty of him on high. It's the place from which God looks down upon us and sees all things of all men. He understandeth all of our ways and is also the place of his power and his glory. It's the place where the Lord gives us to look up unto thee, thou that dwellest in glory. Therefore all power is in thy hands and thou knowest how to use the power on the behalf of thy people. He knows how to help us. He's been tempted as we are. Folks, there's no comfort in what I can do. I'm finding it easier and easier in my life to say, I just can't do anything about that. Therefore, my Lord has got that in my life for a reason. For a good reason. For my good. And for his glory. There's no comfort in what I can do with my hands. For my hands are tainted with sin. I was born with iniquity in my flesh. I am undone. I am a worm. As I said a moment ago, the world is trying to remove the word worm. They're trying to remove the word dog. They're trying to remove the wretched, the undone. But folks, if you take that out, then you're making yourself better than what you are. You're raising yourself up to be as gods. Verse 2 says, Behold the eyes of the servants. Behold as the eyes of the servants look unto the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord, the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. Isn't that how we go through the storms of life? Lord, will you have mercy on me today? Will you be merciful today, Lord, and, and make the winds cease? 
Is today the day you'll do that for me? Must I endure another day of this trouble, this heaviness? Does not the servant look to his master's hand for the direction and for the support? If he has a work to do that is too heavy for him to do, he looks to his master to send help in, he in heaviness. Isn't that what you and I do in building up? And building up our brethren in the faith? It's all right. I, I know. I know what you're going through. I have trials in my life just like you do. He sends us help. We look to, we look to our master's hand for his reward when the work is done. What is our reward? It's the glory of our Father. We were looking at that in Bible study today. We don't, we don't do things for our own glory. We try not to. We try to be as did as the apostles when they healed that lame man. Why are you looking at me? You know, we're told not to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Sometimes I get that backwards. Maybe it's the right hand not to let the left. Whatever it is. Why? Because as soon as the other hand knows what you're doing, it's going to start boasting about it. That's the way it is with me. Do we not look to our master for everything? Dear friends, we are to day by day, as our walk in this world, look to our master's light for guidance. Isn't that what Israel did? What did they do as they traveled through the wilderness? They had a pillar of light at night cloud of smoke during the day. Follow that. Follow him. Follow the one who must be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Follow him. Do we not seek his merciful hands day by day? Are we not in need of his grace every day, every moment? We just sang that song, Come thou fount of every blessing. Come now, Lord. Come this morning. The, the services are over. Come again, Lord. Come again now. I need you now, thou fount of every blessing. Every blessing we have comes through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in Ephesians. All blessings flow through him. He's like Joseph. He has the keys to all of the treasury of the king to disperse as he wishes. We sing that in that song, Prone to Wonder. How long does it take you to wonder? I hope it I hope you last longer than I do. It doesn't take me long at all. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for the mercy of the Lord our God. It comes from his great heart, through his almighty hand. A wave of his hand is sufficient to drive away all of our troubles. If it so pleases him. He supplies the needs of every living thing. So mighty and so bountiful is he. Let us therefore keep our eyes upon our Lord's hands until that he have mercy upon us. That's what it says, until he have mercy upon us. And then again in verse 3 it says, have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. It's not enough just to have mercy once. Lord, mercy, 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 grace, grace, grace. Is this not our personal prayer? Does not the longing soul wait in utter silence with expressing desires? Folks, we know the will of Christ was perfectly conformed to that of the Father, but yet our Lord Jesus still went to his Father in prayer. Should we not go to our closet in prayer? 
over and over. It says without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That's a constant communication with our Lord. You don't have to stop when you walk out these doors. As you walk out the door to your car, thank you, Lord, that I haven't stumbled over something and broke my leg. That might sound ridiculous, folks, but isn't that what we do? Do we not praise our Savior and seek Him in all things? If you're not, examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Am I in the faith, God? Do you need Him? Now? In a moment from now? In an hour from now? Do you need Him? The psalmist uses the same words twice as if to express the greatness of of his need, is that not the hearts of all of God's people? Is it not the clearness of our perception of what we need? The earnest of our desire? Is it not our expectation that our needs would be supplied by him? In this verse and the previous one, we have a petition. He says, have mercy on us. Present no less than, present it to us no less than three times. That tells me that mercy is the greatest need of all men. Amen. Mercy and grace. And then it says again in verse 3, For we are extremely filled with contempt. Do you have contempt in the body that you walk in? Oh, wretched man that I am, says Paul. Can you say that? Yes, Lord, I am a dog. But even a dog gets the crumbles from your table. Isn't that what the woman said? Who came crying to the Lord, Lord, will you heal my daughter? It is not for the master, it is not for the master to serve the needs of dogs. Oh yes, Lord, I know what I am. By your grace, I see what I am. By your mercy, I see that I have a need. I need a Savior. Do you? We are exceedingly filled with contempt. The best thing that a man, that, that, that the best man, the best of us, and some are better than others, absolutely, in our eyes, the best thing any man can ask for is mercy and grace from God. But here's the wonderful thing about it. Those who truly come to the Lord and call upon his name shall be saved. Verse 4, it says, Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with contempt of the proud. This was the lot of God's people in David's day, just as it is the lot with you and I this day. And I suppose that as long as the earth is standing, the saints of the Lord will cry unto him concerning their adversaries. Well, who are our adversaries? Who are your and my adversaries? I don't know about you, but mine is the flesh that stands before you. My pride, that's the root of all my trouble. <coughs> when I boil all my trials down to one thing, pride of the flesh floats on top of it all. Turn over to Romans chapter 7, if you would. Every child of God, especially one who is hearing the gospel, the good news of Christ and Him crucified for the sins of His people, 
will read these words and put their own name right there. My cry is as Paul's is here in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. That's this flesh that stands before you. That's this flesh that stands before anyone. I'm sold in carnal sin. For that which I do, he says in verse 15, I allow not. For what I would that do, I not. But what I hate, that I do. Do you hate your sin? Do you hate the thoughts that, well, what if, well, John, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any anger towards anybody else. I, I, I don't have that kind of a sin. I, I don't have, I don't have a sin of, 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 of lust for another man's wife or another another woman's husband. I, I don't have that kind of a sin. I, you know, I, I just love everybody. I do. I really do love everybody. Do you trust the Lord Jesus Christ in all things? Amen. Do you love him with all your heart? And if you're still saying, I do, do you love your neighbor as yourself? You see, sin is not just what we do, it's what we are. It's a failure in the flesh to come up perfect. Our God is holy, perfect in every way. He, did, he, he must have holiness. That's why we need a righteousness. That's why Christ was made sin. He was made our sin. Not a sin of his own. He had no sin. He was the lamb slain, the perfect spotless lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. There was never sin in him, but yet he was made sin for our sakes that we would be made righteous in him. Perfect righteousness. Paul says, I hate what I do, but what I hate, that I do. Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, don't start thinking to yourself, you can say, see there, the devil made me do it. That's foolishness. The devil doesn't have any power over you. He can deceive. He's a good deceiver, but he can't do anything over He's got no power. Then it is more and more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. Paul is recognizing that the sin that dwells within his flesh is his. It's not somebody else's. He says in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God, after the inward man, that's the spirit, that's the law we all want to walk, the, all, the law that we all want to follow as best we can, yet we still lean on the one who followed it and did it perfectly for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his righteousness of fulfilling the law that we stand. For I delight in the, God, in the law of God after the inner but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members, 
Oh, wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This is who can and who will. Jesus Christ the Lord. He is the one who has turned me. Lamentations 5, verse 21, we read these words. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. This very one who turns me is the one who became flesh. God Almighty in the flesh. The one who, who fulfilled the law perfectly in my stead. And then after fulfilling the law perfectly, establishing a righteousness for us, he gave himself as our substitute, taking our death upon himself. And because he was so perfect, his death was accepted as an atonement, as a payment. Our great Redeemer didn't try to redeem us. He redeemed us. It is complete. Hebrews 1.3, we read these words, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, that means washed it out, cleaned it out, there's nothing for God to see in you and I anymore other than the blood of his son. Purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And because of that, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We read this in Bible study, but I'm going to read it again. It says, now unto him, in verse 24 of Jude, one chapter, verse 24, now unto him that is able, not unto the Lord, the only one who is able. Now unto Christ Jesus, he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion both now and forever. My Lord shall hear, shall he, how shall he not hear my cries? How shall he not hear our prayers? Let us always remember to use the same remedy that the godly ones of old used and not to plead in earthly courts of law, not to look for something in the earth to, 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 for our salvation, but to take our case to the great court of the king, the king in heaven. Let not any of Lord's children ever be concerned about defending their own characters, but let them always go to the one, to him whose bare arm is quite sufficient to write all things for us and to deliver us as the oppressed. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look upon him alone. Read with me if you were the 31st Psalm. Psalms number 31. Psalms number 31 in verse 1 we read these words. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Notice what it says next here. Take this to heart, folks. We have no confidence in our flesh because our confidence is right here. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of deliverance to save me. For thou art my rock, my fortress. Therefore, thy name's sake. Not because of something I have done. Not because of something you have done. But for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net 
that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. And to thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me.